Amen. You guys can sit down. As, uh, as Tony said, my name is Colin, and I'm on staff here. Um, well, actually at Salt St. Paul, but we're all one Salt Company, so I'm on Salt Company staff. Guys, I'm incredibly excited to hang out with you guys at Fall Retreat. We're doing Fall Retreat together, and um, don't tell my friends over at Salt St. Paul, but I'm very excited for the Gopher game. I'm a Gopher at heart. I went to the University of Minnesota, and so, guys, I'm, I'm really excited. It'll be, it'll be an awesome time, and I'm excited to get to know you guys a little more uh, at, at Fall Retreat. So if you guys have Bibles, we're going to jump back into Ephesians. We're going to spend most of our time in Ephesians 2, but um, I'm actually going to start in Ephesians 1, verse 15. So if you guys want to flip there, um, as you guys flip there, just a, a reminder from last week, review from last week in case you weren't here or you forgot, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this letter, writes Ephesians, uh, to the church at Ephesus, and he, and he writes it from prison. And Paul actually follows a really, really nice outline for us, especially at the beginning. So uh, he introduces himself, and then, and then he kind of o- gives an overview of the whole book, which is what Drew did last week. And then he has this beautiful prayer for the church. He writes this beautiful prayer for the church, and so that's actually how we're going to start. And it's actually been my prayer for you guys. A- as I've prepped this sermon, this is what I've been praying for every single one of you in this room, even if I haven't met you, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. So let's jump in. Ephesians 1, f- verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So here's here's my summary of what Paul is praying for the church uh, in Ephesus. He's praying that they would know God and that they would know hope. So that's been my prayer for you guys, is that you guys would know God and that you would know hope. But this is a little confusing, right? Because Paul's actually writing to a group of believers. Paul's writing to a group of Christians. So it's like, these Christians should know God and they should know hope. Right? They already know Jesus. They should know God and know hope. So why is, like, why is that what Paul's praying for them? What's Paul praying? Well, there's a difference between knowing something and like knowing something. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like there's a difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something in your guts, right? Because when you know something in your guts, it it starts to become a part of who you are. It it starts to change you because it's so deeply woven into who you are because you know it, right? You don't just know it, you know it. So that's the big idea for today is that we would know what we know. That we would know in our guts what we know in our head. All right, so how I thought about this, guys. um, I'm a big Twins fan. I'm a big Minnesota sports fan. Uh, It's tough. You're right. I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys if you guys are Twins fans especially. Um, So I was very excited for Twins to be in the playoffs. This was the year. I, I, I told people. I said, this is the year. The Twins win it all. 
But I, I, see, before that, I knew, I knew the Twins aren't a good playoff team. Like, I know in my head the Twins aren't a good playoff team. You can show me the numbers. But this was the year, right? This was the year that they were going to win it all or at least make a run. If you're not a Twins fan, lost the first two games, out 18 straight playoff losses. Yeah, some of you didn't know that. Woof. <laughs> but um, what, what am I trying to say? What am I trying to illustrate for you guys? Is that I knew the Twins were bad in my head, but I didn't believe it in my guts. Right? I knew the Twins were bad in my head, but I didn't believe it in my guts. That's, that's what Paul wants us to do today, is he wants us to know what we know. He wants us to know who we were, to know in our guts who we were. To know in our guts who we are and to know in our guts what his purpose is for us. All right, let's, let's dive in to Ephesians 2. So, so this is the first thing we're going to see is Paul wants us to know who we were. To know who we were. Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All right, let's, let's just focus on the first four words. We're going to stay simple today. We're going to be incredibly simple today. First four words. And you were dead. And you were dead. This is what God is saying to us. That before you knew Jesus, or if you don't know Jesus, you are dead. Spiritually dead. You are spiritually dead. And all verses 2 and 3 do is it clarify what spiritual death is. What it means to be dead. And I, and I think a lot of us, a lot of us that grow up in the church or grow up around Christianity, we know this intellectually. Even, even some of you who are Christians right now, you know this intellectually. Like, yeah, I was, I was dead, right? I, I know this, but, but it hasn't become like a gut-level belief. And those of you who don't know Jesus yet, this for sure has not become a gut-level belief. That you were dead spiritually. So n- now you're probably asking, okay, if he's writing to Christians, why? Like, why should we ask this question? Why should we talk about who we were? Why should we talk about our old self? Well, one... Paul is telling us to remember, and two, we have a better understanding of who we are when we have a better understanding of who we were. We have a better understanding of who we are when we have a better understanding of who we were. So, here's my question for you. What is your honest interpretation of yourself before you knew Jesus? What, was your, what is your honest interpretation of yourself before you knew Jesus? Or if you don't know Jesus, what's your honest interpretation of yourself right now? Here's what I'm guessing some of you are saying. Especially if I hadn't prefaced the way I did. It wasn't great. I, wasn't, I, I was not a great person. But you're also like, man, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I wasn't, I wasn't as bad as the guy next to me. I know, I know what his life was like before he knew Jesus, right? Like, I, w- I was a spiritual loser. I'll admit it, I was a spiritual loser. But, but I still was spiritual some of the time. Like, I did... S- some good things still. I think that's how we interpret a lot, of, a lot of us interpret our lives before we knew Jesus. You worked really hard to be someone that you weren't. 
right? You worked really hard to, to appear like you're a spiritual person, but you weren't, right? Paul's saying you were dead. Paul says that you were dead, so at best you were a spiritual mortician, right? At best you were a spiritual mortician. You were a spiritual corpse and you worked really hard to bring about spiritual life or at, or at least pretend to have spiritual life. And then how a lot of us tell our stories is we say, I wasn't a good person and then I figured it out. Right? Have you guys ever done this or heard someone who's done this, right? Like, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't that, that good of a person, but I figured it out. Or, you know, an example, I used to watch pornography, but then I figured it out. I used to struggle in this way, and then I figured it out. And, and you have ended up becoming the hero of your own conversion story. You've ended up becoming the hero of your your own conversion story, because here's the thing, dead things don't create living things. So let me illustrate this. Let's take Paul's example literally. You're a mortician. Your job is to be a mortician, right? So you bring smelling salts in to a corpse. And I don't know if if any of you guys have ever tried smelling salts. They're crazy strong. You, like, open these smelling salts in, in this front of this corpse and you're shocked because the corpse still lays there, right? Nothing has happened and then you fly in the best doctors in the world and the doctors walk in to see the corpse and you're shocked when they tell you that they can do nothing to help the dead body. So at this point, you know you can't bring a dead person to life, so what do you do? You dress up the dead body. Right, you put nice clothes on the corpse. You maybe do makeup. Because if you can't actually bring the person to life, you might as well fool some people. You guys get what I'm saying? That's what you were doing with your spiritual life. You were trying to make a dead thing a living thing when you had no ability to, and then you realized that you couldn't do that. And so you thought, maybe I can just fool some people. It might not last forever, but at least I'll be able to fool some people in the meantime. That's how a lot of us viewed our spiritual life, but it but it's incredibly tiring. Right? Like if you don't know Jesus right now, it's a tiring feeling. Because like when you were a kid and you have to keep lying to cover up a lie, to cover up a lie, to cover up a lie. That's how you're living your spiritual life. Well, if I can make it, if I can put this mask up, and then it starts to get exposed, but then I'll put the next one up. Then it starts to get exposed, so I'm going to put the next one up. Right? It's, in, it's incredibly tiring. So why is Paul telling us that we're dead? Why, do, why is it worth talking about? Because it's incredibly freeing to own up to who we are. Right? Even when it's bad news... It's incredibly freeing to just be honest about who we are. Or if you are a Christian in the room, to be honest about who you were. Because you were dead. That's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. And so, just stop lying. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to other people. That's your identity or was your identity before you knew Jesus. Is that you were spiritually 
dead. But here's the thing. It's good news, to be honest. It's even better news when you know good news is coming, right? It's even better news when you know good news is coming. And so Paul is actually going to tell us who the Christian is. Let's, let's keep going. So this is who you are. If you're a Christian, know who you are. Know who you are. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Again, go to just the first two words. I said I was going to keep this incredibly simple for you guys. But God. But God. God. And Paul goes on to say, made us alive together with Christ. And you were dead, but God made us alive together with Christ. Paul is saying that we're no longer, when we meet Jesus, we're no longer dead, but we're actually alive. That God has raised us to new life. And Paul doesn't just want us to know that intellectually, he wants us to know that in our guts. Right? Because if you're a Christian in the room, grew up around Christianity, you know this intellectually. I know you do. You know it intellectually, but I think it hasn't quite sunk into your guts yet. You don't know it. Right? It hasn't become a part of who you are. I don't always know it. Right? I don't always remember that I've been made alive in Christ. I'm with you guys in that. And, and I think it's funny because we just talked about dead people working really hard to be living people. But then when we know Jesus, we like fall back in to the life of thinking that we're dead. Right? It's like it's this weird tension. When we're dead, we try to be alive. But then we're al- when we're alive, we sometimes think that we're dead. Let me, let me go on to explain this. Because I think some of you might not relate to that, but you'll relate to what I'm about to say. How often... Do you live defeated in your Christian life? Christian, I'm talking to you. How often do you live defeated in, in your life? Think of the last time you sinned. What, what did you think about yourself after you sinned? What was your reaction? Here we go again. I stink. I'm a spiritual bum. I just can't get my act together. I can't seem to figure it out. Have you guys ever been the mopey Christian? Like, oh, I can't figure it out. And then your mind goes into a tailspin of twisting truth that you begin to believe. Here's what I'm saying. You sin, then you feel shame. Then you think, I can never get my life together. That leads you into more sin. Then you're like, man, Colin said that like, we were dead. I'm probably dead. I I can't figure it out. I keep on sinning. That leads me to more sin. You go into a spiritual tailspin because you don't know in your guts that you're alive. And you say, yeah, Colin, I know God has made me alive. And I'm saying, I know you know it, but I'm, I want you to know it. I want you to know it in your guts. Because here's what we end up doing. We go back to a but-eye message of salvation right? You're like, okay, yeah, I know God's made me alive, but I just have to figure it out. But I just have to learn how to fight my own sin. 
If only I, I just work a little harder to get that sin out of my life, then, then I'll understand what it means to be alive. But again, it's the but I message of salvation. That's what you're going back to. You think like, oh, maybe Jesus saves me initially, but then I have to work really hard for it. Or there are other people, and this is how you think of salvation. You're like, it's God's grace. I just have to work to receive God's grace. It's God's grace. I just have to work to receive God's grace. But, But that becomes, but God, if I. But God gave me grace if I do this. Right? That's not, even, that's not even grace. Here's what I want to tell you. That is religion that is not Christianity. But I is religion. It is not Christianity. And some of you have been told that that is the Christian message. Is that God will show you grace if you. If you get baptized, if you go to church, if you confess your sins to the right people, if you do enough spiritual things, then God will show you grace. But God, if I, that's not the gospel message. That's actually antithetical to the gospel message. And that's bad news. I just, all, I, for, to know it was bad news, all I had to do was think about my own life. A but Colin message of salvation is really bad news for Colin. Right? I mean, if you're anything like me, you probably know that. But what what does Paul write? Let's go back to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were dead, here's what it says, made us alive. Even when we were dead, Christ made us alive. What if you lived like you were alive? What if you lived like you were alive? How many of you have felt temptation already today? Right, You don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise my hand for all of us. And I'm guessing this is how you fight temptation when you think you might still be dead, when you feel like it's a you have to work really hard for it. Oh, that's temptation. Maybe if I work really hard, I'm really st- strategic about it. I, I flex my muscles enough, my spiritual muscles enough, then I'll be able to defeat it. Then I won't, be able, then I won't fall into that temptation. Here's how the living person fights temptation. <laughs> Satan, that's funny. That's funny, right? Because that's who I used to be, but it's not who I am anymore. But then some of you are like, yeah, Colin, but I still fall into sin. Like, I'm alive, I still fall into sin. It's the same thing. Because here's the thing, you tell yourself that that sin defines you. I'm still a spiritual bum, I still can't figure out my spiritual life, but here's the reality. (laughs) Satan, I maybe did that, but that's not who I am. That's just leftover from who I used to be. Right, it's not who I am anymore, it's just leftover. Because what does the text say? It says, God has made us alive. I'm living. I'm not dead anymore. Not not because of me, but because of what he's given me. That's good news. That's good news. Guys, here's here's how I'm going to illustrate this. It's kind of funny, but um, I think it's funny at least. Um, 
Have you guys ever, you guys know what I'm talking, like, it's really awkward when you ask someone how an old girlfriend is or old boyfriend. Like, you're like, oh, dude, what's up? Like, how's Katie? And he looks at you and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> like, he, like, he doesn't even have to say it because you're just like, ah, you're not with Katie anymore, are you? <laughs> right? Like, it's just like, awkward. Um, why is it awkward? Why is it awkward? Because it's who they used to be, right? Their old identity was being with Katie, being in a relationship. It's who they used to be. Here's what I'm saying. That is you with Satan, with temptation, with sin in your life. Awkward Satan, who I used to be, not who I am anymore. (laughs) I'm alive. You must have missed the memo. Right? God has made us alive and he hasn't made us alive as a test to see if we can figure it out. Let me say that again. He hasn't made us alive as to test to see if we can figure it out. He has made us alive. It's a given. It's a done deal. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what you do. God has made you alive when you meet Jesus. You say, Colin, how do I know that? How do I know that? Let's look back at the text. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Those last three words, together with Christ. How do I know that I'm alive? It's because Jesus Christ is alive. And when you know Jesus, you're with him. Our spiritual life is not based on our performance, but on the resurrection of Jesus. We were dead. So Jesus Christ himself became death for us. Con, how do I know? How do I know I'm alive? Because Jesus Christ rose to victory three days later so you could rise to victory too. That's the gospel message. It's a but God gospel. But God became the hero of the story. He stood in your place so you didn't have to stand there anymore. And he rose to victory so you too could rise to victory. So you could rise to new life. We are fundamentally different from who we used to be. So regardless of how you feel when you sin, regardless of how you fight temptation, Christian, listen to me as I say this. Regardless of how you do that, when you meet Jesus, you are alive. You're alive. Like if you know Jesus, if you have that security, leave this place knowing that you are alive. Victory is found in the empty tomb. And that leads to ultimate purpose in your life. That leads to ultimate purpose in your life. So the last thing is know your purpose. Ephesians 2, 7 to 10, is what it says. So that in the coming ages he might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. All right, so we're going to zero in on that last verse, but before we do, guys, verses 8 and 9, what does Paul, what does Paul do? He says, hey, in case you didn't pick up on it the first time, here's it a second time. You had nothing to do with your own salvation Christ has given it to you. It's not a but I gospel, it's a but God gospel. He says it one more time just to make sure it's clear. 
And then he follows it up with this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Guys, God has prepared. If you're a Christian, God has prepared good works for you. And that, that means there's purpose in your life. That means there's purpose in your life. And, and again, I'm gonna, this is the last time I'm going to say this. I think we know this intellectually. Right? Oh, yeah, I know God's made me for a purpose. Yeah, you know it, but you don't know it. Why do I know you don't know it? Because you end up living for lesser things. lesser things. Like I'm saying, you probably live for your phone, you know? Okay, I'm kidding. Um, Only kind of. Uh, Guys, we get this intellectually, but we don't get this practically. There's a a disconnect. (laughs) There's a disconnect between what we read in the Bible and how we actually live our lives. Right? I'm going to say that again because I think some people missed it, which is fine. There's a disconnect between what we read in the Bible and the way we actually live our lives. It's true in my life. It's true in my life. Guys, when we gut level know that we're alive, you can't imagine living for a lesser thing. Right? When you gut level know that you're alive, you can't imagine living for a lesser thing. But what, what do we do? What do I do? I'm with you. We forget that we're alive, so we end up living for lesser things. We forget that we're alive, so we end up living for lesser things. Guys, we are so easily swayed to live for things that are so fleeting. So swayed, so easily, I, myself included. I mean, money? Live for money, live for success, live for power, live for the next job, live for the good career, live for the next sexual experience. Right? We're so easily swayed. And I don't say this to like discourage you or condemn you at all. I don't say this to discourage you or condemn you at all. I say this to say those are lesser things. And I don't want to see you guys waste your life living for lesser things. And I think we, we've all started to realize this. I mean, hasn't COVID done that for us? Money can be lost in a day. Jobs can be lost in a day. You can lose power. You can lose success. The job market will tank and you won't find the next great job. Hasn't COVID done that for us? It's helped us to expose what lesser fleeting things are that we so easily live for. Guys, I'm with you. Right? Like I'm saying this to myself who should be in one of those chairs. I'm with you. I need to be reminded what lesser things are. But I'm telling you this, that God, Paul, and I love you too much to watch you live for lesser things. Like I said, I don't want to see you waste your life living for lesser things. So a lot of you are like, God, I don't, don't, give me more. I need help. I hear hear a lot of you guys say, or people in the room uh, say, I wish my life had purpose. I wish my life had purpose. And then, you, then sometimes you start talking about your spiritual heroes, right? John Piper, Tim Keller, King David, whoever your spiritual hero is, Tony Lee, right? <laughs> whoever, I love you, Tony. 
Whoever your spiritual hero is, you look to them and you say, it is so clear. It's so clear God has put a call on their life. Right? It's so clear. God's called them to the work of ministry. They have purpose. God, God's called them. Here's my response to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. God gave them a spirit-filled calling for the kingdom of God. Absolutely. God has specifically called those people to do work for the kingdom of God. But here's the secret. Here's the secret that you don't know, is that God has put that exact same calling on your life. Every Christian in the room, God has put that exact same calling on your life. A spirit-filled calling for your life to be about the kingdom of God. He's put that same calling on your life. Christian, know, know in your guts that this is true. Because then you'll stop living for lesser things because you'll see the greatest thing. And I just want to clarify, I'm not talking like everyone in this room needs to go into vocational ministry. Needs to get on a stage. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that God has called every Christian, when we're made alive, to live for a greater thing, which is the kingdom of God. Right? Your calling is for the kingdom of God because you've been made alive. This is the life God has for you. Because every single one of us, every single one of us wants to be an advocate or an ambassador for something that matters. It's true. Right? We want to, whether it's the gophers on Saturday, we want, right? Like, you want to be an advocate or ambassador for something that matters. I'm not hating on the gophers, guys. I'm a gophers fan. It's just the example, right? Guys, God's called you to be an advocate and ambassador for the kingdom of God. Something of eternal importance that will last forever, that is not fleeting, that COVID cannot touch. God's called you to be an ambassador for that. That's good news. That's really good news that you don't have to live for lesser things anymore. Really good news. Guys, here's the, here's the illustration. It's been used before, but it works too well to not use it. Um, imagine you're on a sports team, right? And you get called into coach's office. So just imagine for a second, you're on the gopher football team. P.J. Flack calls you into his office. You're like, all right, coach, what's up? He looks at you, and this is what he says. You're getting the start on Saturday versus Michigan. You're getting the start on Saturday versus Michigan. Can you imagine being put on the team by P.J. Flack? You're on the team. And looking at P.J. Flack and going, brother, thank you, but I'm good. <laughs> I, I appreciate the offer. More of a bench guy myself. More of a bench guy myself. Thanks, though, right? Thanks, coach. Guys, of course not. That's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. But it's the same thing. We are made alive in Christ. We are on the team. And here's what God's spirit-filled calling is on your life, is that you are now a starter, first-string, front-of-the-lines player for the kingdom of God. You're in the starting lineup. He wants to use you. He's going to use you. But some of you are asking this question. 
How do I know? What if, what if I screwed up? What if I fail? Okay, before we go on, do you realize what you're doing? What if I, but I, might fail? Right, the thing we talked about from the beginning, that it's not a but I gospel, it's a but God gospel, you're going back to again and saying, but what if I, what if I fail? Here's how you know you, you, you're not going to fail. Here's what it says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How do you know you're not going to fail? Because God's prepared the good works beforehand. And yeah, you might slip up. It might not go the way you want. But the thing is, God has prepared those good works for you to walk in them. God's called you to purpose. And it's not because of you. It's because of him. It's because you were dead. And he made you alive. It's because you could do nothing but, but the wrong thing. Right? All you could do was keep screwing things up. And there was a moment in your life. And if you haven't had this moment in your life, I'm inviting you right now. I'm saying this might be your moment right? Where God comes in alive. Not if you clean it up alive, not if you get your life together alive, alive. You can be alive because it's not something that you can do. It's something that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. And he's alive. And so that's how you know that you're alive. And that gives you ultimate purpose to live for, which is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that I would know that truth. That I would know in my guts that you've called me into life, not, not based on what I can do, not based on the merits I bring to the table, not, not based on the, the merits that I might have someday, but simply by your grace, through the work of, of your son Jesus, you've called me into life and that, that life gives us ultimate purpose. Father, would you blind us to the lesser things? Would you blind us to the lesser things that the world puts in front of us? And would you set our eyes on the kingdom of God? Would we know so deeply, so deeply in our hearts and in our spirit that we are alive, that we can't imagine for living for anything less? We can't imagine living for anything less than your kingdom, than your glory, than making you famous, than knowing your love, because we've seen you, we've experienced you. We've been raised to life like you raised your son Jesus to life. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.